Welcome to Diabetic. Highs and lows. Life alongside diabetes. A short series where I talk to my family about living alongside a chronic illness and their experiences with me and memories of growing up with this diagnosis. This week we'll be talking to our co-host Stephen Horrocks, husband, bread connoisseur. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll start out our conversation talking about our black pepper cheddar bread. Our favorite. It's It's so so good. (laughs) We've given it to so many people and everybody always dies. I've seriously been waiting to talk about this one. So. <laughs> so let's talk about this bread. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I, I'm trying to remember the very first time you made it because I think we were both very shocked at how good it tasted. Yeah. I mean, and I, I shouldn't. I've been so shocked at how good it tasted because it is, first of all, yeah, bread. It has a pre-ferment, so it's a little more complex flavor, but a bunch of cheddar cheese, like a bunch of like cheddar. Like a whole pound, right? Yes. No, well, no, it's not a whole pound. It's a it's a half a pound. Oh, half pound. But a whole loaf. block of cheese. But, uh, yeah, a whole block <laughs> of cheese. A half a pound of cheese is a lot in one loaf of bread. But then that cr- fresh cracked pepper, oh my gosh, it's it's so hard to even like describe what it does uh, yeah it's over it's like, like melting just, in your mouth oh, but crispy on the edges because when cheese gets that it's almost it's like, like when you make a cheese sandwich it, and you get that crispy out, cheese mm. on the ends oh my gosh it's so good and so you get the, the <laughs> i feel mean talking about it on here because everyone's oh, gonna want to be eating it <laughs> but the thing that's surprising about cheese bread and this kind of goes across the board and so if you're interested in making cheese bread you can kind of do this part of the process with a basic loaf of bread and it'll uh, change some of how the interior is if you mix in shredded cheese with the like flour and into the dough itself so that it's totally distributed throughout instead of like rolled in or set on top or whatever mm-hmm. all of the oils from the cheese and then also there's like this stuff going on with the proteins too but all of those oils get baked into the bread. And so it's so soft and moist and just unreal. <laughs> I wish you could see oh. Steve talking about bread. <laughs> His <Kay>. hands are like... <laughs> he's, a, he's a hand talker. <laughs> Big time. And we've referenced that before. But when I get talking <laughs> about breads like this, I I feel like I become more Italian the more we talk about bread. <laughs> Um, but so this recipe comes from bread illustrated and this is published by um, cooks illustrated slash america's test kitchen and um, i honestly don't remember uh how we got this but i know that it was a gift yeah and i don't remember the context it might have been like a valentine's day gift from you actually i'm always buying steve uh bread bread books or cooking (laughs) utensils or cookware um it makes it easy to buy you gifts because i just know yeah it's easy i mean because i'm gonna love it i mean easy except he's very particular about the type of things so i have to like research among 
certain areas. Well, anyway, fair enough. We're getting into but uh, <laughs> so this book is phenomenal. Highly recommend it. We have made so many breads from this. Yeah, it has great pictures in it to kind of show mm-hmm. you through the process, um, which is really great. And for anyone who's I'm familiar, <laughs> yeah. And for anyone who's familiar with America's Test Kitchen in general, um, this very much fits with the kind of goals and scope of what they do on their YouTube channel or subscription based on their website and all that kind of stuff. And so it's super easy to follow. And they make what are usually fairly complex and uh, really delicious foods, in this case, breads, really accessible, widely accessible. So highly recommend Bread Illustrated. Um, But this recipe just nailed it. Yeah, make it. It's perfect. <laughs> um, it uh, is. Uh, I mean, if you're new to making bread, it is doable. I at one point made it, and <laughs> I mean, it's scary when you initially start making bread because you think there's just so many variables to what's sure. happening, mm-hmm. and you don't really know what you're doing. But uh, yeah, this recipe is great for early first time bread makers. Yeah, especially since it includes a lot of processes that are part of much more complex bread making, mm-hmm. but the way that they go about it in the book makes it really accessible. And so it's a good entry point. Um, like I mentioned, and I think this is one of the key points to some of the flavor. Obviously, we talked about how the inclusion of cheddar here changes the texture mm-hmm. and the inside and the flavor of that of the bread. The other th- major part of that is that they include a pre-ferment. Now, what a pre-ferment is, is a small amount of dough, more or less, um, very highly hydrated dough. So it's just water, flour, and a tiny bit of yeast. Stir it together and leave it to sit for hours, usually overnight, long time, you know, 12, 16 hours, sometimes a little bit more, depending on um, what it is. They say that Oftentimes, these can sit at room temperature for as much as a day. And so you mix it ahead before you go to bed. The next day, whenever you get around to it, put it into the mix that you're making with the bread. And that little bit of extra fermentation adds an unbelievable complexity to -hmm. the flavor. And it also changes the crust a little bit. And so it gets a little (laughs) crispier, a little more. Which is what you want. (laughs) Mm. So so again, highly recommend. Uh, We'll put a link to this book uh, on our show notes and uh, yeah, go check it out. All right. So to start off this little mini series, we're going to be doing um, a little bit of sort of background, I guess. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to kind of document in some way, kind of experiences in my life with diabetes. And it's been years that I've just been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes writing things down, sometimes thinking, you know, maybe I'll write a book someday. Um, So I, it's emotional. (laughs) So, I mean, bear with us as we work through kind of how this is going to play out. But I just thought it would be interesting to interview people who live alongside my diagnosis with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, diabetes is such a life-changing 
diagnosis. And so much of that I don't think is ever, I don't know, talked about amongst people who are living with you and living, you know, alongside your experiences. So I thought it would be great to kind of talk you know, we talk all the time about the famous stories and things mm-hmm. and we'll touch on those, but kind of giving room for my family to talk about it as well, because we often talk about how I feel and how, you know, my experiences are living with it. But I thought it would be great to kind of touch into that. So, yeah. um, here we are today. <laughs> I'm going to start with Steve. Um, Hi. Kind of flex my interview. <laughs> abilities steve's usually the interviewer yep so um hopefully you know i can live up to his well and honestly great interviewing skills it's a little uh intimidating being on the other side of the conversation (laughs) because i have i haven't told him what i'm going to ask him so and i've very rarely been in the position of interviewee in this kind of scenario Mm -hmm. and i'm i need to practice letting other people talk (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so let's start off with what are your first memories of me and my diabetes and, you know, early memories or experiences? So I, I've been, you know, thinking about this because we've been talking about doing this project, uh, for a while in different formats. And then this idea of, uh, having a mini series as part of the podcast, we've been tossing around for a few months now. And so it's been in the works. Um, I I never actually thought about that in terms of myself as one of the (laughs) guests or interviewees though. So, um, but I, you know, it is interesting because I don't remember my first memory of your diabetes or, or, like treatment devices, because that's often how mm-hmm. the conversation kind of opens up, right? And I feel like the second time we met, it came up somehow. Um, and we're not going to talk through our whole like <laughs> meeting story and all that. That's a that's a different kind of show. But um, the second time we met, I was there at your house, and we were just sitting on the front porch. It was summertime. Um, you were kind of wrapped up in a blanket. I was uh, sitting there. I had just come by after work. <laughs> and uh, so we were just sitting there uh, looking. <laughs> so <laughs> so funny, like storybook to say this, but we were literally sitting on the porch looking up at the stars <laughs> while we were chatting. <laughs> so like hilariously storybook. For reference, we were 16, 17 years old. We were 17, yeah. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, we were 17 years old. Um, uh, and it's not like, yeah, and I, you know, I, uh. it was 1130 at night because I got off work at 11 and I texted to see if I could like pop by and just say hi. And so I just <laughs> sat and chatted for a while. Um, but I, and I don't remember in what capacity it would have come up or what the conversation would have been about, but I feel like. I remember you saying something about it um, then, and I it might have even included your tester 
that night, but mm. I I don't think so. And I might be kind of crossing some wires because it's sure. been a long time now. Um, but the reason I say that is I feel like I have always kind of known that you were diabetic mm-hmm. more or less since we met. Yeah. And so pinpointing that first moment was really difficult. What I do remember, though, was um, one of the first times that you were giving yourself a shot. Mm-hmm. And it was during lunch at school. And because uh, we would often leave <laughs> to go get Little Caesars, Hot and Ready, whatever the deal was called. Um, and so you and I and another friend, probably your friend Heather, if I remember right, because <laughs> they were kind of cycled around for who's going where. And But I remember... Uh, I have a image in my head of you using your insulin pen in the car <laughs> really early on in our kind of knowing each other before we started like dating. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that was probably the, the first direct memory sure. that I have was, was giving shots, eating little Caesar. <laughs> That's so funny. So Yeah. <laughs> Our relationship starts out with pizza. <laughs> oh, what do you know? We've come full I do circle. remember at one point like being like, do you want to give me my shot? And it was like this like, cool, like, yeah, yeah, I do want to do that. <laughs> yes. In fact, um, wow, you know what? I'm, I, yes, I'm, I'm remembering a little bit about this because I feel like there was... Some interaction, because uh, you were in a photography class, and I used to go with you to find things to shoot mm-hmm. around town. We would drive around and do things. And it was in that context that I remember you asking, because we stopped to get like some fries or something from Wendy's <laughs> while we were out and about. And you were pulling out your supplies, your pen and your tester kit thing, mm-hmm. as it was at that point. Um, and I remember you asking me that and it was surprising and it was like, uh, it was super cool. Frankly, I was like, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, can I, like, I don't know. Is that okay? Like, I don't, this is such a weird thing for me to kind of negotiate. Um, but I do remember the, I, I have like tactile memory in my hands <laughs> of feeling the cold backside of your arm. For one thing, <laughs> they're always cold because the back of Melissa's arm is always cold. <laughs> I remember like using one hand to kind of frame where I was <laughs> giving the shot. And then the feeling of the click, because there's like a click, 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 click uh-huh. uh, that the oh insulin pens because so you because you twist the pen right and it to like go sets the amount. Mm-hmm. But I remember the feeling of the click through my thumb Click, 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 into your shoulder. <laughs> um, but yeah, that jab, I had never, I had never given a shot before. It's kind of interesting. I, that is kind of a scary thing. I mean, a lot of times it's the doctor giving you a shot. And so then you walk into this realm of like putting a shot into somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it is a very weird feeling. I remember, we'll probably talk about this with my family at the hospital, but they talked about having all of my siblings get a shot so they knew how it felt oh, yeah. and I think I 
we'll have to check, but I think I at some point gave people shots. Anyway, it's a very weird feeling to give someone else a shot. Um, yeah. So I, that's, that's so great. I have, I do have a very, very clear memory of the first time <laughs> I gave you a shot. All the like clicking. Yeah. With your Novolog pen <laughs> and I, the blue and orange, dark blue and orange Novolog <laughs> pen. I have a visual in my head and everything. It's wild. So are there any other memories you have with other devices or kind of use of devices with my diabetes early on in our relationship? Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, we've talked about blood glucose meters, finger prick mm-hmm. test quite a few times on here. Um, one thing we haven't talked about was that I had never had a, a blood test a finger prick, like blood glucose tests like that before in my life until sure. we met. And so, uh, yeah, even though I don't remember exactly the context of when or how mm-hmm. the interaction came about, I do remember having my finger pricked and my blood test for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it came after having like done it for slash with you already. Sure. Because we had, again, we had been uh, hanging out, <laughs> even if we weren't dating yet. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I had obviously given you shots and stuff like we were just talking about, but um, I don't know if it was that I had, uh, you had like let me actually use the lancet to prick your finger or mm-hmm. like uh, getting it ready for you while you were driving because you had to do it while we were driving, that kind of thing, because that's happened yeah. quite a lot too. Um, but then you ask, Hey, do you want to do it? Like, have you ever had your blood tested? <laughs> I'm always, <laughs> I'm always asking people like, do you want to know what it's like? That's kind of a funny thing. I don't know. Maybe I just give people perspective on what it's like. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, because like, no, I had never done it. And so I was like, yeah, uh, let's do that. That sounds interesting. And, Steve's always game. <laughs> but I also uh, had some like little butterflies and stuff because I knew that this thing was going to jab my finger. I'd never You don't really know it what way. it's going to feel like. No, you don't. I get it in theory. And there I'd are different it. like levels of, I what's it like that? I feel like it's always had kind of a leveling of how hard it's going to prick your finger. Yeah. I mean, and it, I always have it turned way up because of my calluses on my hands. And after yeah. you've done it so many times, you don't want to light poke or it like won't do anything so right and it also helps if you change your lancet (laughs) so it's actually sharp and can poke through so that might be why you have to turn it up so high um (laughs) side note um but i yeah so i do remember uh the that first kind of finger prick and the thing about it that is uh, surprising because it's not like i've done it a lot since i've done it a couple Mm -hmm. of times over these 15 years or whatever it's been now um, 17 years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Just how far realization. lives? Um, but I, the thing that's surprising still is the way that it continues to throb and you can feel the, the, the finger prick. You can feel the poke mm. long after when it actually happens. Like I could feel it in my finger. That's funny. Um, I don't feel that anymore. Yeah. And so <laughs> my it fingers is are dead. <laughs> because you, yeah, it's a regular it's practice like a shock for to you. your body. It's not a regular practice for my fingers. Yeah. And so I could, the, the sensitivity on that finger mm-hmm. was heightened for like a full day. <laughs> and I 
could see the the hole that was poked there for many days. I don't even know, but it was there for a long time. And so I do remember that feeling, that numbness on the end of my of my finger. I remember that more than the actual process of testing. Interesting. Yeah. So it's <laughs> kind of wild. Um, but in terms of kind of other experiences with devices and things early on, um, I remember not knowing much at all about how insulin like works. Mm-hmm. I knew some because I had family that was using insulin already sure. at the time. And so I, it was around, um, not talked about a ton, but around. And so I was familiar and I knew, um, and my dad had used insulin years prior as well. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time really anything about the long acting insulin or the slow release like Lantus, I think it was that you were on Mm -hmm. at the time. And so in some of those early memories, and this might have even been a year or so later when we were kind of heading to college and that changed some of the dynamics of my interaction with you slash diabetes and all these devices and things. Moving to college was a huge deal actually. Um, But I, I do remember having to kind of reorient the way I was thinking about what the medicine was doing because Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought that much about slow release medicines or pharmaceuticals in general. Sure. And so it was, there was a, a kind of, I don't know. Awakening. uh, Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's what it is. I mean, yeah, you're kind of all of a sudden realizing stuff that's happening outside of yourself. And I think a lot of that happens kind of when you're growing up in that age where you're finally Mm -hmm. like, Oh, like I'm not the only, like my experience is not what everyone's experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really interesting hearing you kind of talk about how, how you started thinking about it in a different way when we were kind of spending a lot more time together, Mm -hmm. visiting each other's houses. Mm -hmm. Um, in a different way when it's your own place rather than your parents' place. It's just a different kind of dynamic. Yeah. And, you know, that's when, uh, for for example, that's when the whole conversation about the butter compartment in the fridge oh, yeah. became <laughs> part of my understanding yeah. of experience with diabetes because for those who may not be as aware <laughs> on this... Uh, for people with diabetes, that's not a butter compartment. <laughs> it is an insulin compartment. Yep. Period. Forever that's all since. it is. That's all it's ever going to be forever for in our house. So. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we spent, a, like you said, a, a lot of time uh, with each other, but also in each other's kind of then home spaces in our apartments. And uh, so I was helping get some of those things from the fridge. Mm-hmm. I was helping kind of doing some of that for and with you more than I was before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there were a lot of little things in that time that changed dramatically. Um, even though I know that you had had some kind of highs and lows that were 
a little more significant, uh, not not massive, but mm-hmm. earlier when we were in high school that last mm-hmm. year, it wasn't until we were uh, away at college that I remember having some of those more severe highs and lows that I was directly involved mm-hmm. kind of uh, helping you through the process. Do you have a specific one you're thinking about during um, that time? You know, it's it's funny that I say that in the context of being away at college <laughs> because it was during this time, but when we were home visiting at the holidays that I have the mm. most stark memory because it was, yep. it is one of the most present memories that I have of a serious high yeah. blood sugar. They're very different yours. from lows. Very different. And it was really jarring because I had never experienced anything to this extent. And it was really alarming. And in that way, I was really lucky that we were also with your family at the time Mm -hmm. um, because they had had a lot more experience dealing with this. Mm -hmm. Um, So when uh, this would have been in December of 2006 and uh, we were at a family party (laughs) <laughs> at your Aunt Tammy's house, yep. Tammy and Russ's house. And all of the cousins were in the basement playing a game. And it was a super fun game. And here I am, non-diabetic, playing this Skittle game <laughs> with no thought whatsoever about the kind of implications of this game outside of yeah. what's happening with me. Because I just, yeah. <laughs> like, in hindsight, why was I'm just I playing, playing this game. game. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about this in these terms, but the point of the game was you have a big old bowl of Skittles and you pass this big old bowl of Skittles around in the circle and everybody reaches in without looking and takes out two. If they are the same color, you get to chew what's in your mouth. You pop them in, you get to chew. If they are not the same color, then you have to just let them sit there without <laughs> chewing. And it is miserable. Hence the game. And it's weird, but this is the game. And so we played this for... Yeah, and then you have to stop chewing when someone else when starts chewing. When someone else gets chewing. a double. That's oh, so gross. <laughs> and so there's all this like game dynamics there that uh, makes it competitive between and among each other. I think it's like whoever swallows and doesn't have anything. Do you just keep playing? No, so you I keep playing remember. until people can't anymore so if you can't do it then you're out so if you have to swallow if you have to chew you're out (laughs) and so i mean we played for a while i don't even know what the time frame was but it was not a short game because your family is full of very um strong-willed individuals (laughs) and (laughs) Uh. uh but so we played this for quite a while and uh, finished the game and headed home. And as we were going back to your parents' house, it became very clear that uh, all of those Skittles were hitting your system very quickly and uh, it was starting to skyrocket your, your blood sugar. Um, it was like a, I don't know, 20-minute drive home. And so by the time we got there, Um, tested your blood, it wouldn't read. It was so high that it literally just said high and the meter wouldn't register what the number was. And um, I remember, for one thing, I remember seeing an initial moment of panic 
in your dad's face. And I think that's one of the things that, and I almost am like crying, <laughs> like I'm tearing up almost thinking about this, like seeing that. Um, because that, that like signal of, of minor panic in his face that he then quickly kind of wiped away yep. and then started doing um, was really jarring and alarming for me. Yeah. I had never seen anything like that on your dad's face before. Yeah. Um, we'd known each other for like a year and a half. So we weren't strangers at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also then started to see for the first time at this extent, to this extent, the the way that high blood sugar has a, like, I don't even, it's it's almost like um, one of those salad spinners. When you push the button and it's, uh, it spins the container inside, it just whirs around. It's almost like the, your, like, I don't know. Psycho-emotional state is put mm-hmm. in the salad spinner and word around and watching that watching you go through that was really shocking. Yeah. Um and it was coming out then often as like anger and aggression. Rage. <laughs> Rage is probably mm-hmm. a better word for it, but um and I of course knew that that's what was behind it. And I was trying to like talk with you and at least maintain while we figured Mm -hmm. out what to do. Now, the reason why this was so alarming was because as I mentioned, we were down visiting family away from about an hour and a half away, about an hour and a half away, hour and a half drive. Um, and you left your extra insulin up there. You didn't bring it down. Um, and, and you had run out. (laughs) And so everybody was in panic mode. We were trying to decide whether we were going to make a three-hour round trip to get insulin. And then by that time, yeah, the like pharmacy risk of DKA, like what in the world? Because, and of course, you couldn't just go pick it up Yeah, because the insurance isn't going to cover extra insulin. Yeah, it was going to be, I don't know. Outrageous, anyway. $500 or something like that. Whatever it was, it was a ton. And... um at that point, uh, it didn't matter that it was a ton. Yeah. And that's what we ended up doing. And I think it was your brother that ended up leaving to go do it. It could have been your um, dad, but... I think I think um, Christopher ended up buying it for Going us and doing it. And, and so... Helping us out because it's not like we had $500, you know? Right. Um, so, it was really... And so... But I remember, like, almost having to... I, I remember physically having to stand in the doorway... Because you were uh, in a rage trying to push your way through to go and do it yourself, right? Like, <laughs> uh, Well, I was fighting because I was like, let's just drive to Logan and get it. Like, yeah. let's just do that. And I mean, when you're in that state of feeling guilt about doing mm-hmm. this stupid, playing this stupid game when I knew I shouldn't have played it. Yeah. And the guilt and shame of that. Even now talking about it, I'm like, ugh, like this is embarrassing. So Why did we play this game? Like how stupid. And you know, it's, I, I really like hearing kind of, I've never, we've never talked about 
how you felt during it and what you like observed. That's really interesting with my dad and kind of the observance of the emotions of something like this happening. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that there was a little bit of the, uh, that realization of why did you play this stupid game <laughs> uh, in his in his face too mm-hmm. but that wasn't the point though it was just panic mode we've got to take care of this yeah. right now because the truth is at that high of levels you're at the risk of dka and it's so scary yeah. and i didn't have any of that context for what dka is and what that can mean for people at the time I don't think I really did either, you know, high, you know, going high and stuff like that. I don't know. It's funny when you're young, you just don't think about like implications. You know, I'm high, I'll come down. Like that's kind of all you think. Um, So I don't even. insulin. Yeah, (laughs) I don't even think I really thought about like DKA, honestly. No, I mean, I hadn't even heard that term until. I don't know if I had when I was, (laughs) you know, being a diabetic, which seems crazy, but. Yeah. You hear what you hear when you're young. Yeah. So in talking about highs and lows, yeah. there are a lot of those scary moments, those intense emotional experiences. Yeah. And there's also experiences that are kind of funny or uh, <laughs> bizarre. A, or, a little yeah. less harsh. Because that was a really harsh <laughs> a little one. less emotional. But um, so is there an experience you want to talk about that you remember that is funny or... Lightens memorable the, in some way. the tone just a touch for a minute. <laughs> Lift our hearts a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, there are a couple of things, and there are very different contexts that I think <laughs> come to mind. One of the first things uh, that I have found, uh, I don't know, like a little bit, heartwarming isn't exactly the right word, but like kind of, <laughs> is some of the stuff with the kids. Because I mm. remember... Uh, both Harper and Henry doing this at different times where they have kind of like mimed the actions of Mm. putting on an insulin pump site Mm -hmm. and or like walking around with (laughs) something on them and so that it was like their insulin pump, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I remember seeing that uh, from Henry sometime fairly recently in the last year anyway. And, um, what, just watching the, the way that that kind of realization is happening yeah. in their minds and then the way that they are working through, uh, this like deeply embedded part of you and your life for themselves. It, there's, they're getting it. You know, like they're, they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are you in low, the way they Mama? can? Yes. Can I get you juice? It's like, they're so little, but they're sweet little like voices in wanting to help and wanting to, you know, I think that's a big part of living with someone with diabetes is wanting to help and carry the load. Yeah. Because I know, you at least can't... for me, I know how that feels when you just want to help and want to do something to yeah. help. Because, because in a, in a literal, like physical sense, you can't, because what's happening is in your body, it's not mine or anybody else's. And so yeah. it can't. And so some of the, the peripheral stuff, that's all that I can mm-hmm. do in that regard. Um, but 
they're getting it too. Like they're seeing it, they're doing it. Um, the way that uh, Henry will kick you in bed if he comes in early in the morning or the way that Harper will say, mom, 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 your pump's going off. Mom, mom, wake up. Your pump's going off. Um, that is, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch them do that. Right. Because they are invested in it in a similar way that I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's those sides of the experience that we have any kind of uh like role in and so it is kind of fun uh i i also remember how i remember sometime uh when henry got a hold of of some of your supplies when you were changing your insulin pump Mm. and uh, one of the inserter needles was still around. And so there was like this moment of panic, like, do not jab yourself with that <laughs> inserter needle. This is not okay. Um, but yeah, I think doing some of that has been, um, uh, like observing some of that has been really, uh, it's really complicated what kind of living as a family mm-hmm. alongside diabetes has, has meant because it's very different than it, was when it was just the two of us. Yeah. That has changed a lot. Um, one of the, one of the other things that I, uh, am thinking of too, was at one point your insulin pump died on you mm-hmm. and, uh, you had a few days in between when you were waiting for them to send a replacement. It was still under warranty, luckily. And they sent one that, uh, was an annoying color because that's all they had now because they were transitioning to a new product and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for a couple of days before you had to send back the old one, we still had that, the, like the second pump, the old one. Oh, that yeah. And so this was fairly early on in some of my like research work. And so... <laughs> I forgot about this. Uh, you know, it was in the summertime and uh, we decided that I would do a brief partial kind of uh, auto-ethnographic experiential <laughs> like research thing and wear a pump for a full cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was broken and there was no battery in there so that there was no injection because <laughs> obviously I can't actually do that part. Right. Um, but I did wear the pump for like three days. And I remember, um, I remember the, the way that that kind of changed <laughs> some of my like perspective and understanding of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the swimming pool and I had a <laughs> pump site on, you know. Uh, we have a picture of you like lounging <laughs> <Yeah>. in <laughs> um, LinkedIn show notes. <laughs> that's, oh, well, I guess maybe we will. Um, I mean, yeah, it's probably up on my Instagram, so I'll have, I'll have to do that. Um, but like I remember waking up in the morning and the two tubes being intertwined <laughs> in the bed and stuff. So um, yeah, having having that little snippet of experience of being connected, even though it wasn't injecting, was uh, certainly something that changed uh, at least a little bit of the way I understood some of that material experience mm-hmm. that I hadn't really understood yet. 
So I love that. I just remember being like, where do we put our pumps? Because I kind of just <laughs> set mine out. Because if I put it like in my pants or in my underwear or something, then I don't, it's not as noticeable when it buzzes at night. So I always yeah. just put it, like set it next to me. And so I remember us kind of setting them next to next each to each other. other. It's like yes. hilarious, like Pump sitcom buddies. moment where it was like, let's set our insulin yeah. pumps next to each other. Listen, hey, you just uh, you just pitched a show right there. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dia buddies. I can't oh. <laughs> see that. Uh, I can't take cheesy. credit for that word though because I think someone has like an app or something mm. titled that. Sure. So uh, don't sue us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Our millions of followers. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so many. <laughs> the reach of this thing is just gonna really cut into their market share. Um, <laughs> sorry. So. so in talking about our experiences kind of side by side, mm-hmm. um, is there an experience, I guess with this interview process, what I'm most interested in is how we have these sto- shared stories mm-hmm. um, about lows or highs or experiences and we remember them in our own way. And right. I think it's fascinating over the years with my family, we've talked about these sort of famous stories, these mm-hmm. famous low stories that have been told a million ways, mm-hmm. a million times. And it's interesting to hear different sides of the story because everybody has the way that they remember it. Obviously, when I'm low, especially um, with things like this, I only remember certain bits of it and I am in and out of consciousness right. and the feelings and emotions that go into that sort of experience are vast. So um, is there a story, a low story in which you want to have this conversation about? We can kind of talk back and forth about what we remember and how that sort of played it out. Yeah. um, There are, uh, there are a few of them and, uh, you know, I feel like we have probably referenced at least two toward some mm-hmm. of these. Um, and it's hard to know exactly <laughs> which of these two that I'm thinking through that I act, that I want to talk through here. Um, because one of them, I think, is is one of those that you're referring to. That's like the mm-hmm. the the big low stories that will forever kind of have a place in family lore (laughs) Um, and for a good reason. Uh, But it's also like the hardest thing for me to talk through. Yeah. Because it was... I'm here with you. In a literal sense, one of the worst experiences of my entire life. It was horrible. Yeah. Do you want me to open it up and Um, start talking about it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. To help kind of yeah, let's ease do it. into it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, bear with us as we walk through this. Um, obviously, it is emotional and probably triggering. So, yeah. um, so I was, this was probably, what, 2016, early yep. 2016. It was in March. Um, and I was working um, at a retail store and I was newly pregnant with Harper um, so this is before we had kids. Yep. Um, and I was working at the mall and, um, I had been kind of, 
going low all day when when pregnancy does weird things to your body. And at the beginning of my pregnancies, I'm always just dropping, dive bombing, yeah, low, constant. low, low, all day long. And so, you know, I always have things on me, juice and extra things. And it was like this, all the things that could happen, happened. I was low. I ran out of test strips. I'd used my last test strip. I was sort of in that, I think like 80 range. That's kind of, but I was feeling low. So I was like, crap, I'm going to probably go low. Um, so I was leaving work. It's about nine o'clock and I, we wanted to have BLTs for dinner <laughs> Yeah. and we didn't have bacon and we didn't have, a lot of, we didn't have I think we didn't have any, we, I think we had bread, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like BLTs. That's what we want to have. BLTs so tonight. I ran across the street to pick up some items and I clearly was low. Um, and an interesting during this time, the lows would happen quick and it would be all of a sudden I am so low I can't function, um, which doesn't happen usually day to day with my diabetes. But when I was pregnant, it was just like was happening a lot. Um, so I called Steve in the parking lot and just said, I'm low. And he's like, OK, grab something um, while you're in there. And from this point on is very fuzzy in my memory. Um, I remember at the checkout, like really struggling to check out with my card. <laughs> um, I am curious what they thought of me <laughs> during this time because I was just like, or, or, or if you or, actually or, or, paid like, in the end. <laughs> no, I did. I had a receipt. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I paid, but then I was like, did I pay? I don't know. It was this weird, like, yeah. And I didn't get anything. It's like my brain sort of shut off in that moment of like, I don't know. And I remember getting in the car and looking around in the car for things yeah. and not having anything. I remember turning off my insulin pump, luckily. Um, and that's, I mean, I remember a few things kind of intermittently, but um, that's kind of the last thing I remember from this story for a yeah. bit. So, um, And so I remember having these conversations with her throughout her shift. Um so I, uh, you mentioned that you always take a ton of, you you were taking a ton of stuff with you mm -hmm. and you had eaten your way and, and you, you drank your way through everything mm -hmm. in your bag. And, uh, that's what necessitated like, yep, grab something while you're in there, grab a juice or whatever. Um, and so, uh, we had this conversation and this isn't totally unusual, uh, there are many times where we have had conversations while you're at the store and you're saying, I feel like I'm going, starting to go low. I say, okay, hurry and grab something so mm -hmm. you can drink it and then uh, like have that in your system before you start to try and drive home. That's not an unusual conversation. So we had it. He said, okay, hung up the phone. Um, you know, the that grocery store is about a seven minute drive from our house. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty close. Pretty straight shoot. Too. Straight like, shot. Down the street, take two, a, turns. two turns. Boom. Right. Um, and I, I remember waiting 10 minutes, 15. And it was like, oh, okay. Like that's a little longer than usual. I better try and call and see what's going on. So uh, I called your phone and you answered and I said, hey, and... You were 
talking back to me. Um, but it became really clear pretty quickly that you weren't really taking in what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was asking you, hey, where where are you? And you said, I'm driving. And I said, okay, where are you driving? And you were saying, um, and it would kind of trail off. I'd say, look around. Do you see any street signs? Um, no. And so I was asking for any kind of like, uh, landmarks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you see any buildings around you? Do you see any other signs, business signs? Do you see any kinds of houses? Do you see like whatever it is? Um, trying to get her to describe something because it's becoming really apparent that she is on the road (laughs) and can't really understand where she is or what's happening. And so I'm trying to get a sense of where in the world she is at that moment. So we've got a place to start Mm -hmm. uh, in finding out where you are uh, and and figure out what we need to do from there. Doesn't work. Um, yeah, my I only then, my only memory during that time is like I think I do remember answering a call from you mm-hmm. um, vaguely, and I do remember driving and thinking, "Why am I going? Like I'm almost home. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'm almost home." And like I'm on my way. I'm almost home. It'll be fine. That's like what's like playing right. in my head. Right. And then I remember sort of thinking. Why am I going so slow? Why is it taking me so long? Why yeah. am I going so slow? Um, and that's kind of like <laughs> everything that was what yeah. I remember from this whole conversation, which is terrifying. But and so in this in this uh, phone conversation, um, she trailed off. I couldn't get her to answer, so I hung up and called back so that the sound of the phone would kind of catch her attention again. She answered again, but was even less <laughs> responsive. Um, than the, than the last time. And I was, uh, I was fairly desperately trying to get any kind of response so that I would have any idea whatsoever Mm -hmm. where the car could be at any given moment. Yeah. I mean, we have, Um, we had one car at this point. We had one car, (laughs) you were in it and I... Uh, I also it was know late at night too. Yeah, it was it was I don't know around nine thirty or ten o'clock. So it was dark. This is March, um, and all I knew was your starting point, and that was on the south edge of town, and that is literally the only place that I knew because that's where the where the store was. Mm-hmm. And it, you you had been driving in theory for now twenty minutes, and twenty minutes in town. I mean, you could have been absolutely anywhere. And so uh, I was doing everything I could to try and ask anything that could give me any idea and just could not get any kind of coherent response. And I heard the phone thump and then uh, I hung up and tried to call back and was not getting an answer. And it was at this point that I was uh, like starting to panic myself right uh i was starting to feel it before in the in the like conversation but i 
the panic started to set in and I knew that I had to, for one thing, hurry and let your parents know that something was happening because if I didn't do that in and among a crisis, uh, this is like this family dynamic thing, <laughs> yeah. right? In relation, especially in relation to like diabetes, but um, that like that, it wouldn't be okay. That, you know, that's, a, that's as much as I can really like say about why that is, but I knew that that was the case. And so I hurried and called them in a panic and explained that you were low and driving away from the store and I have no idea where you are and I cannot get you to answer the phone and I'm losing it. And, um, I remember, uh, I remember hearing a little bit of panic in your dad's voice in his response. And then your mom took over the conversation. Yeah. Which, uh, if you know my parents, my, you know, crisis, you know, my dad doesn't show a lot of, uh, in our many years, <laughs> emotions um, and together, crisis, these kinds of crisis moments, not this exact kind, because this was kind of a first in this way, but, yeah. um, that, that, uh, that kind of shift I hadn't experienced before. But your mom took over the phone and basically said, okay, so you need to hang up. You need to call the police so that they can get people out there. Um, And then you need to try and call somebody else to like give you a ride around town so that you can start looking too. That's where you got to start. Hang up and call the police and start it. And I said, okay. And so I did. And, uh, I, in a like semi coherent way, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, called, called the police, explained the situation and, uh, they, they said, okay, we'll have, we'll send people out, uh, around that side of town and see what we can see. I then started calling around town, uh, to some of our <laughs> local friends, which at 11 <laughs> at this time, well, <clears throat> and also at this time, many of our friends that we had made here that we were getting close with had moved away. Mm-hmm. This is one of the issues with grad school and making rela- like building relationships and stuff that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So you get close with people and everybody then is moving in a lot of different directions very rapidly. Yeah. And so there were very few people in town that we were really close with. And... I tried calling several of them and had no answers. And so then I'm starting to panic even more because now I'm stuck. I was stuck at home in an absolute panic with no way to go and do anything. And uh, I have never felt so absolutely helpless in a situation in my entire life. It was the scariest thing that I can remember. Yeah. And I was about to go into the basement. It's been winter, (laughs) right? And so I was about to go into the basement and get out my bike and pump up the tires because, again, it's been winter. I've been out riding this thing (laughs) to set off on my bike into the night 
to head into the <laughs> south end of town to try and look. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, I was, I mean, I was losing it. And at this point I had called your parents back once or twice yeah. expressing this a little bit and telling them, uh, like that I had been in contact and they were saying, okay, like they're out there then. And that means that it's, they're doing what they can. And, um, uh, Sometime later, I honestly don't even know that I don't remember the exact time frame. Well, it probably felt thing. like a million years. Felt like and... eternity. <laughs> and it was probably closer to about an hour. Yeah. And but I'll tell you, an hour of in having crisis. zero idea of where you could be and knowing that within yeah. that hour severe lows can produce comas and like it can be really scary. Uh, um n- let alone I was in a car, so. And you were in a car, and so who knows what that could result in then. Yeah. And so, um, but I got a call back then finally from, um, our friend Renee who lives in town and, um, I am certain that she could hear (laughs) as soon as I said hello, uh, what was going on in my, uh, in my voice. But, uh, I explained the situation and she was like, okay, I'll be right over. I will pick you up and we'll go, we'll go, we'll see what we can do. And yeah, she um, was clearly in bed and <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, she's totally. one of our closest friends and both of our friends that we know mutually. So yeah. So, uh, her panic too, in the like moment of like, you know, one of my best friend is in crisis Absolute and crisis mode. like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and so as, she was about to pull up to the house. Literally, I could see the headlights. I was waiting in the front yard to jump in the car, and I could see the headlights starting to come down our street. I got a call from the police saying that they had found the car and had found you. Um, and so as she pulled up, I was getting the information of where they said, and so I was in, like... Through my tears and <laughs> and finishing up this conversation, then telling Renee that we need to head south on 38 um, because they found the car south of town. Now, what that means is that in your lowness, you turn the wrong way out of the parking lot. Yep. And so, you know, here I was under the assumption that you had turned and then were somewhere in town, but you had literally gone out of town. Which is honestly better because yeah. <laughs> there's not stoplights and traffic and, mm-hmm. you know, I had basically... Businesses, people, walking, Yeah, none of that. I had basically pulled over into a median and had my foot on the brake. Yeah. Passed out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're talking Midwest medians. And so <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's, like, it's a ravine, basically. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's a, like grassy weedy uh divot in between a divided highway yeah is what it is and um so we zoomed south of town and as we pull up the like police and ambulance that are there now are like hey sorry like we've got something we're dealing with and i said no 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 that's my wife like and um so they brought me over and uh they explained that when they got there the, uh, I think it was a police officer that got there first and then the ambulance came soon after, but, uh, the, the officer actually had to reach in and 
put the car into park because the car was still in drive, but you had pressed on the brake with your foot and then passed out. And so <laughs> somehow stopped in this median uh, where there are no cars driving at you. Yeah. And uh, he had reached in and put it in park before then trying before they pulled you out and got you on the stretcher and that stuff into the ambulance. Um, but I remember them like bringing me up into the ambulance and it was right at this moment as you were coming around because they had given you the glucagon. Um, and, uh, it had obviously been a few minutes and you were there, you were coming back around and I could hear you kind of semi, uh, semi coherently starting to talk with them. But when our eyes met, <laughs> yeah. uh, my panic sobs were already <laughs> like in my face and uh, it set yours off. Yeah. And there's this interesting moment of after being low and waking up that is <laughs> really scary and emotional and you kind of forget everything. And so you're waking yep. up and you're starting to realize I'm a human being. I, you know, and then I see Steve's face and I had never seen Steve's face like this. And I could see, you know, he'd been crying and emotional. And then it was just like the fear of like, what's happening? I'm in this ambulance and I people are talking to me and it's mm-hmm. sort of this weird I it is unexplainable. <laughs> I right. try to explain it the best I can, but sort of like you're waking up for the first time or, mm-hmm. you know, this, I don't know. It's this weird phenomenon of all these things that you all of a sudden feel yeah. the fear of like, where am I? The, what's the last thing I remember? What has happened since? And mm-hmm. this sort of like, Oh, and I'm realizing before Steve had stepped in there, they were talking to me about, do you know who you are? Do you know? And I was like thinking like, okay. And then I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like I'm pregnant. Like, is the baby okay? Like remembering that that was a thing. And then I was like thinking about Steve because I think that came to me first, like Steve, where's Steve? And I was asking where, and they were saying, he's coming, he's coming. Hmm. And, um... I'm just sort of re-remembering <laughs> as we're talking about this. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it a lot because obviously it's emotional. It's and <laughs> um, Anyway, so that moment of you talk about our eyes meet and then we both are just oh. sobbing <laughs> because it's like this, you know, comfort of the person, your person. And after this traumatic experience of, you know, <laughs> it could have been so much worse. It could have been yeah. deadly. It, really it could have, call. there are so many things that could have happened. Um, you know, just thinking about being, you know, looked over yeah. It's at this, this thing of like, you know, someone was watching out for me that day because, you know, <laughs> there's so many terrible things that could have happened. And I'm just so lucky that, it didn't. Very and lucky. we, you know, they let us go home and I, Steve drove in the other car. I rode with Renee 
And I just sobbed the entire drive home. I just sobbed. Yeah. And the, all those feelings that we talk about, the guilt and the feeling of like, that I caused so much pain and fear and, you know, just the feeling of being coming up from a low is really bad too. Like in your body, you're shaky and then you get cold and then you like just, it's really crazy. Um, anyway. Yeah. And it also is kind of, um, funny, not (laughs) not necessarily funny, haha, but, um, you know, you mentioned the realization that, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm a Um, human. (laughs) That didn't, well, and I'm pregnant. That, in in and amongst all of the panic and the freak out, um, when we got back there to the to the ambulance, I didn't even think to bring that up. I didn't. It didn't even cross my mind. I was just one track mind getting in there, seeing yeah. you, making sure everything was, that you were okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Renee, who was standing outside of the ambulance, <laughs> turned to one of the uh, the EMTs and said. Oh, hey, also, she's pregnant. I don't know if she, she probably hasn't told you because she's been low. Yeah. <laughs> so that hadn't even been part of the conversation until <laughs> Renee, who uh, had her feet a little more on the ground at the moment, Thanks, was like, hey, by the way, um, keep this in mind. Uh, and then we brought but, Renee back to our house that was like tornado, like, <laughs> uh, listen, just as in the sink. And then we sat there and Steve made me a BLT because I needed to eat something. Yep. And so now BLTs they kind man, of carry a little bit of the, <laughs> carry a little bit of emotional a little weight. bit of the tone of this night. So they'll be forever associated <laughs> with this experience. <laughs> so I mean, amongst talking about traumatic stories like this, it just kind of further solidifies to me the experience of living alongside it because you are living it too. And obviously you're not living with diabetes, but you're living, dealing with all of the emotions and fears and stresses of, you know, the aftermath of something like that. You know, these things don't happen a lot. For some, they may do happen a lot, honestly. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting to kind of talk through how that kind of changes your perception on life and on like your relationships with people. We kind of Mm -hmm. laugh a lot. My parents are always nervous if I'm alone, if Steve goes somewhere, you know, they've flown out to be with me if Steve's going to conferences. And I think that's sort of that, like, you know, what if? And if you think too heavily on that, it is terrifying because, you know, I'm alone with my kids a lot. I am, (laughs) you know, in charge of these little humans. And that's kind of scary too, thinking about, what could happen if you have a low? And I've had those moments when I'm in the car with them. And ever since this experience, I think I have a very uh, more <laughs> like, uh, I don't even know how to talk about it. But like, yeah. it's like, okay, drink something, even if it's something you don't want to drink. Because a lot of those like grab something on the way out. They don't have juice in those things. It's right. always soda. And like chugging soda is horrible you know like sprite (laughs) is kind of the go-to if i have to do something out of the case at the at the entrance of the store Mm -hmm. it's always like sprite which like let me chug this it'll make me spike but like ew like it hurts my ah. esophagus but so i think that's sort of um 
when something happens like this, it kind of changes you and changes how you think about when you're low. And that doesn't mean that <laughs> when you're actually low, you actually remember those things <laughs> because right. when you're low, you don't remember anything and sort of, I don't know. Yeah. And I think for me too, you know, this, uh, this is in many ways a one-off, um, yeah. but it's also true that I feel like these moments are kind of amplified examples of how intertwined uh, like my life and experience is with yours as someone directly kind of involved as a like care person mm-hmm. in relation sure. to your diabetes. Because, you know, most days it's not that. Most days it's, you know, elbowing you when you're... <laughs> Uh, pump is going off in the middle of the night. Going downstairs sure to get me. Going downstairs to get a, a cup of juice, you know, because um, it's, it says I'm like 75. <laughs> speak of the devil. That's hilarious. There it is. People <laughs> always present. Oh, replace battery. That's an exciting alert. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even an alert about your needs. It's about the needs of the pump. Um, anyway, yeah. And so for me, I think, uh, I just have, uh, over the past several years, obviously been thinking more intellectually about this, but uh, what becomes clear is the more I think intellectually about this, the more it becomes, uh, the more I'm aware of the way that I am mentally and emotionally involved in this and, yeah. uh, like psychologically, not, not necessarily intellectually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that that has deep, deep implications for kind of relationships in general. Thanks for being with us, uh, with this first episode of highs and lows and listening as we talk through some of these stories and uh, experiences. I think it's a great way to kind of experience things through other people's stories and that's what I find most fascinating about listening to podcasts in general so I thought this would be a great way to kind of work through some of the things I'm thinking about and talk to people I love about how (laughs) my life affects theirs so and vice versa yeah and uh and I appreciate you bringing me on as the (laughs) first guest thanks for enduring the questions of (laughs) emotional of course, difficulty. it's difficult, but I'm glad that we had the conversation because, like you said, some of these are things that we haven't uh, talked about in these ways. And so I really appreciate it. But thank you all very much for listening. Uh, go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you are listening uh, to this podcast and follow us on Instagram. Go over and like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a lot of kind of material going up there. And let us know what you thought of this episode. If this is a mini series that you look forward to uh, catching these future iterations of.